We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it is pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andrada Anitzi. As you probably already know by this time, every Wednesday I have this special guest of mine, Rahila Khan, that has accepted to share her wisdom with me and you, my audience, and uh, speak on the basis of my book, which is called The Man, the Moon, and the Casquette. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to previous episodes of this series, please go back to the other episode. Look for the ones labeled with a bonus and come back to this one afterwards so that you can get a continuation of the story. Today we will be speaking about um, a short excerpt from chapter 5, which is called New Dawn. And I would like to read to you this excerpt that I want to bring to your attention. And it goes like this. Rada kept a moment of silence before she replied next. Joachim, my father told me something else as well. He told me to pass along all his lessons as equally as passing my own. This means that you take our lessons but add to them your own if at any point in life you feel that any of our lessons, mine of, or um, mine and my father's, are no longer actual, you can always adjust them. Be mindful of the fact that times change. Things evolve. Information needs to be filtered and decisions to never be made due to an impulse. Take time to observe. Analyze what you learned and walk your own learning path. Don't act because mom said so. Act because you understand and because you believe. You see, this universe is big enough for everyone. Competition has nothing to do here. Learn to collaborate with people. Listen, step back and watch. And only act when your inner voice tells you to. There will be times in life when people will spit fire at you. Don't return it. 
take that fire and burn all negativity. Turn it into a guiding light and draw your own lines and curves. You will make mistakes, but don't be afraid of them. Mistakes are part of our growth. Don't criticize yourself. Acknowledge it. Feel the pain of it, but then let it go. Don't focus on what you've done wrong. Focus on how to make it right. And most importantly, never blame anyone for what happened to you. Not even yourself. Know that everything happens for a reason. And even though you may not know what that reason is, accept whatever comes to you. Learn, grow, and inspire others to be better. One day, you will be completely by yourself in this world. Until that day, you need to learn how to think for yourself. Do not allow people to diminish you, but you should never diminish others either. The entire humanity should work as a whole. Join forces with people who teach you well. And as a final thought, when you do something, don't expect for the coin to flip. Sometimes people will not be able to return you the favor for one reason or another, but this should never prevent you from giving them your best without expecting something in return. When you give, give unconditionally. When you love, love without a hidden agenda. And don't wish. Set an intention for what you want to achieve. Release it into the universe and work for it. They both kept silent for a minute. Rada believed she told him everything he needed to know and Joachim was processing his mother's words. He fairly wanted to understand everything his mother told him and he wanted to avoid misinterpretation. Consequently, to make it even more clear, he said, Mother, but how do we differentiate true people from the shallow ones? The young man asked. My son, it's not your job to judge them. Your intention should be to understand them. So every time you feel that someone treats you bad, talk to them. Learn the story behind the behavior. Everybody has a story. And some are very sad. Let's take the example of the ones that constantly treat others poorly. More often than not, their past have been one full of hurt. Maybe they were abused, either physically or emotionally, but nobody asks them. Nobody cares for their pain. As such, in time, they learn to adapt and choose to hide behind wickedness. But nobody is born like this. They have been repeatedly hit and they were never taught that life can be beautiful. All they learned was hurt, bruises and despair. These people, who some name as bullies, are in fact looking for protection. They are looking for someone to open up to, but they're afraid. They're afraid of being misinterpreted. It takes time to make one of these people trust you, but with patience and compassion, they will eventually open up and shed all their pain into your palms. They need someone to help them wipe those tears of sorrow 
and again to understand them. They are children of society too, but this world sees them as renegades. As a conclusion, all I can advise you to do is to listen actively, not in a shallow manner. Just be there, let them speak, listen, and show them love. As always, on Wednesdays, I have with me my beautiful guest, Harahila. How are you? Hi, Andrada. How are you? Can I say hello to, to the listeners out there? Thank you for listening in and, and welcome. Thank you for doing this, Rahila. It's only my pleasure. Mine too. The pleasure is all mine, trust me, Rahila. Now, for the audience, I would like to mention, if you didn't uh, listen to our previous podcast, maybe it would be a good idea for you to check them before coming back to this one. This will be from chapter five of my book called The Man, the Moon, and the Casquette. And um, this chapter is called New Dawn. So, Rahila, given the text that I have just read, please let me ask you, why do you think that Radha's answer is as such? What can we learn from their interaction? Thank you, Andrada, for the question. Um, Radha told Joe Kim, pass along the lessons as equally as passing your own or my own, she said. This means that we take lessons learned from others and then as she rightfully pointed out, add them to your own. No matter how much parents, leaders, mentors, and others may teach us, life will be our own greatest teacher. So Radha's teaching is very profound here. Right. In that, what she is asking Joachim to do is to self-reflect, self-introspect, self-investigate, self-validate. Whatever anyone tells us, we must do these few, um, these few ideas that I've just mentioned. Self-reflect, self-introspect, self-investigate, self-validate. So often, nobody teaches us how to do self-validation. In other words, in whatever hypothesis somebody comes up with or whatever model or structure or belief system, Nobody teaches human beings how to self-validate. And previous generations just absorb like sponges what elders told them and replicated whatever was said to them, um, you know, by whatever parents and society dictated. We were told that it was disrespectful to talk back to elders. Hence, whatever elders and society dished out to us irrespective of how good or bad it was, we were told to just accept it. Even as children, if we corrected adults in their negative toxic behavior, especially our parents, it was seen as inappropriate. And this is what humanity is struggling with at the moment, Andrada. 
is how to break from the toxic past, all those cobwebs, if I may call it, of past generational patterns and pathologies. You know, now the time has come where the youth are uh, showing us, you just do it. You don't, you don't worry about what anyone else is because I'm most important. It's all about me in a way, in a healthy way. And this is why I think with technology, young people love taking selfies because it's all about self and looking at self and finding their own identity rather than the way somebody else will capture that. Can you see that? It's so yeah, important. That's, a, that's an interesting standpoint. Yeah, it is. Because ask yourself, why do we take selfies? Why do we love seeing ourselves so much? It's because the time has arrived that we are the most important in our lives. And why shouldn't we be? Because life is a gift. And in this gift, we celebrate who we are. So selfies are good. So I encourage everyone to take selfies and then do, <laughs> and then do these steps. Self-reflect, self-introspect, self-investigate, and self-validate. Because only you know yourself the best. No one else knows that. And you know what else? Just because you can, you can do it. And that's just the way it is today. <laughs> um, you know, previously it was nobody must upset the apple cart. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know what is so funny? Um, our children especially will, will teach us as adults, even leaders, when they know they're not authentic, they'll, they'll point out all our double standards. And it's quite a cosmic joke, you know. It's like, do what I do and don't do what I do. And that's quite right. confusing. And that's what we call a double bind again. Hmm. So it is great that you in your book, you know, use Radha as a character <clears throat> excuse me, to teach Joe Kim that, but also you te teaching humanity that. Um, you know, also in society and worldwide, we are seeing how currently we are witnessing the rebellion of youth. They are questioning everything within the family structure and also within societal dynamics. Even in leadership, we are questioning this. This is why managers and leaders in the workplace it's quite a mission to manage teams because nobody is just going to be dead fish swimming downstream. People are going to stand up and question. And therefore, as a leader, you've got to have that emotional and spiritual intelligence to lead teams. Right. And you saw in the orphanage as well how, you know, the youth empowered each other to become great leaders, um, even in, in how the restaurant took birth. So children observe and see the illusion and want to find their own identity and self. And this is what Radha is teaching Joe Kim. Um, we also in a time of radical shift in human consciousness. My post yesterday on LinkedIn was specifically about that. Um, so often we want to clean up all the rubbish in the sea or in the river or around our homes or our environment. But who created the rubbish except humans? So as humans, we got to look at ourselves in, and asking ourselves who is creating all the pollution, who's creating all the rubbish as in the inner and outer clutter except humans. Um, so therefore, we are now awakening to the illusion of past programming 
and negative belief systems. And this is what Radha is encouraging Joachim to look at, is take the good and discard the bad. And it's the same, you know, even with our... and the hard lessons that we learn from our parents and others will shape us into who we become later on in life. So, Anradha, as you know, we, were, we are moving into a time of radical shift in consciousness, in human consciousness. So we are awakening to the illusion of past programming and negative belief systems as we have taken on from the past. The positives and hard lessons that we learn from our parents and elders and others in society will eventually shape us into who we are becoming. As Radha says to Joachim, sit back, analyze, observe, and digest. Then create something of greater purpose and meaning for yourself. This is very, very powerful in leadership. Um, in transformational leadership that we teach in the 21st century is that as much as we want to earn money, the importance is also to have greater purpose and meaning in life. Yes. So the other lesson that we learn is not to be immersed in hardship, struggle, and turmoil. As you know, Radha and, and Dom's past was very much the same. So how do we shift from that? So she's teaching him that you do not need to take on anything that we experience. And this is very important because this is how humans are evolving from all our past painful experiences of toxic relationships, um, including death, lack of money, etc. All these are genuine uh, issues that we are facing. These are genuine societal issues. Uh, that we face in terms of illnesses, addictions, and and uh, the scourge of societal uh, impact, like you look at human trafficking and so forth. So mm -hmm. she says, when we investigate, when we analyze, we can teach ourselves how to think differently. And this is very important. With the new skills learned, through our latent potential, discernment and vigilance becomes the order of day. How discerning we become in our thoughts. What thoughts are we thinking in how we shift um, the kind of life we want? As you know, the quality of our thoughts determines the quality of our life. True. So we become the architects of our life. We begin doing things differently. When we change, our thought patterns change. Mm. Can you see that? Or our thought patterns change and we change. So whichever way you want to look at it, it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? That's so, right. Yeah, and I've, I've yeah. actually witnessed that on, on my own skin lately. So I do agree with that. Oh, that that's wonderful, Andrada. So we can engineer our DNA and create new neural pathways in our brain. Positive thinking um, alters the biochemistry in the body. So the moment you have a positive thought, there's a chemical charge that happens in the body, which is an emotion. So with a positive thought, you will have a positive flow of energy, which could be compassion, 
It could be empathy. It could be love uh, versus a negative thought. I'm so angry. And that will have a biochemical uh, impact on the body. It will bring up a negative chemical charge, <clears throat> excuse me, and that will fuel a negative behavior. Can you see that? Yeah. So this is great teaching and learning in how we teach leadership. So this becomes a new blueprint, our way of thinking, a new way of thinking. And then, if I may say so, our human computer uh, programming, which is our DNA, alters as well. We can literally reprogram our DNA. And that is what I'm doing literally with humans. In tapping into the DNA, we can install a new programming where we debunk the old. So it's, it's clearing out the clutter of the human computer hard drive and installing a new software, new programming. And I like software. Because the software would be what? Leadership of love. Mm, I like that. The greatest human need is love, compassion, unconditional love. That's what we teach. So we become present in our mind, body, and, and soul. And this is how we pay it forward in learning our soul lessons in becoming the best version of being human. And this is so amazing that we, it's so simple. Can you see? We don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand um, biochemistry. We don't need to be a scientist to understand how the body, mind, body, and soul works. It's so simple. If you want to learn more about the book that we're talking about, you can head to WorkApp or Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Cascade. You're gonna find it there. Let me know what you think about it. Thanks! Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. Right. So as we saw, the other, the other um, part of, of this chapter that you read out and you mentioned competition, I want to touch on that now. As okay. we've seen in the orphanage, there was no competition. Only creativity, which gave birth to a restaurant. Can you see from the orphanage um, in, in sharing, caring, giving and receiving and, and using a new programming of love, care and fulfillment and contentment, it gave, it gave rise to the restaurant, which is now business. And that is creativity at its best. So in that, the children didn't say, ah, you are better than me, so you don't deserve food or you don't deserve shelter. No, they didn't do that. They all worked harmoniously. They all worked as a well-oiled engine, and that gave birth to creativity. So competition is just an illusion. It's a thought that other humans made us believe to be true. Competition does not exist except that it's a construct of the mind. When, when we come into creativity, again, it debunks 
competition. It's not there. It's an illusion. Can you see that? Yeah. That is the biggest illusion in looking at the economic paradigm, thinking that there's competition out there, that if we don't support somebody else, they will earn far more money than us. Right. It doesn't no, work that way. Yeah. Sorry, Karyan and Radha, sorry. Right. Now I understand why I'm not that fond of the concept of competition and I would rather go for, mm-hmm. for collaboration. Now, now I truly understand that. Yes. Yes. And this is why on LinkedIn, you'll see so many leaders of the 21st century. And these are young emerging leaders like you, like myself and others, where we talk about collaboration. We talk about consistency. We talk about consultation. We talk about how can we help and support others. This is important. That's what makes, that's a foundation of leadership. And when you add love to it, it has such an amazing flavor. Of giving, receiving, doesn't it? Yes, it does for sure. I just, I just love the fact that you use so many metaphors in today's episode. Um, you know, you just gave me such a treat with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. So wait for this one then. So let's look at nature again, right? Because I find that we learn from our all-time best teacher or master, and that is nature. So, so let's look at this one. We, did you ever hear nature say, or a rose tree? Let, let's look at a rose tree and an apple tree, okay? So a rose tree, as we know, have the, you know, it has thorns, but yet it blooms the most beautiful flowers. And that flower is so symbolic in sharing love, correct? Mm. Right. On Valentine's Day, do you know roses are the most expensive commodity? Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, on the other hand, you got the other tree that bears apples. And they're rosy red. But right. human beings would not give apples to their lovers or whoever they're sharing Valentine's Day with. They would give roses. And irrespective of how expensive it is, they would still buy the roses. The apples do not get jealous and say, ah, oh, you're an ugly rose that you only last for a day and I can last for a month if I'm in cold storage. They don't have this competition going and put the other down. Right. They support each other. Nature supports everything. And they provide food. They provide beauty. They provide everything that humans and animals thrive on or live on. Can you see that? That's true. If I may, I would like to interrupt for a second our discussion and ask you something else. Uh, yeah. That is, it's it's a bit, uh, it's a bit of a paradox. You just made the comparison between a rose that has thorns and an apple who is actually soft and rounded. So yeah. here comes a a real curiosity of mine. Why do you think that we as humans choose to give our loved ones you know, something that has thorns, but it has a, a, an intense red color instead of choosing an apple who is rounded and soft, right? And yeah. kind of, you know, treating mm-hmm. us in, in some better way. I don't know, just, that's just a question. Wow, to me. I, I so love that question and I just love you for... <laughs> for taking me somewhere else as well. But you know what? It is such an insightful question because 
you know, when we chat, we often speak about balance. Yeah. So let's look at the rose, right? Let's look at the rose tree. And let's say the rose tree resembles our family. Okay. So in all its beauty, okay, its roots are grounded in the earth. And in the darkness, it takes all its nourishment, right? Right. And look at when a child is conceived. It's conceived in darkness in the mother's womb. We cannot see it. Mm-hmm. So all creativity begins there, in the darkest parts where we cannot see. Right. So what do family do? Family, they are the thorns in the flesh, isn't it? Because they give us all the pain. Can we grow without pain, and rather? Probably not, as much as yeah, we because, wish. <laughs> yeah, because we will be uh, in a comfort zone. When you're in a comfort zone, you do not grow. True. So the thorns are there. So in, in, in harnessing the beauty, in admiring the beauty, sometimes you do get pricked by the thorn. Okay? And that awakens us. Hey, be careful. Discernment, vigilance. Mm. Pay attention. Can you see that? So going back to what I was sharing earlier on in the podcast is vigilance, discernment. Radha said, take what others are teaching you but bring your own flavor to it. True. So this is what nature teaches us. It teaches us, same like the mountain, you've got to climb up the mountain to get the best view. If you do not climb the mountain, do you get the best best view? Not really. Right. So that is life. It's the same with the river. The river flows downwards. But the river will meander around the rocks the stones, the trees, to find its way. Same with humans. And family members are the best to do that for us. And then the fruits of nature will provide the nourishment like the apple tree. Because the fruits hang low. You can pick them up, you can eat it, and you can feel nourished. And nature will give you the warmth. Nature's blanket, the sun, will give us the warmth when we don't have a blanket. For those people who are out there, They take the sun's warmth. We take the sun's warmth for nourishment as well, as much as it keeps us warm in winter. So um, it is a very beautiful question that you asked. Does that make sense in a way? Did I answer it correctly or the best I could? Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure that you you answered in the best way that you could. And now I, I realize that if we look at the rose as to a metaphor, we, we definitely can, probably there will be a lot of listeners that can admit the fact that uh, the rose is like the institution of the family indeed, because if there would be no, no hardships, as you're saying, there will be no lessons and without lessons, we cannot grow, right? Yes, yes. So the most toxic members of your family will teach you the best. And I had occasion to sit with the yogi and, and, he, and his teachings are so profound. And one of the things he shared stuck with me was, he said, you, you cannot escape your family. It's right. like sitting in the fire of hell and you've got to take whatever comes with it and you stay in it, you learn from it, you grow, you expand and you ascend. There's no ascension without that. Right, you but here es- we're... 
sorry, here we're talking about the family made of uh, parents, right? Not, um, let's say, not the It's marriage. the sibling with everyone, extended family, everyone, because somebody will trigger something in you somehow. Okay, so you're, you're saying that this extends to marriages as well? Absolutely. Absolutely, because what I uncovered in my private practice and all the outreach work that I've been doing in South Africa is that in working with couples, the person we marry is your mirror in reflecting your father and mother back to you. Mm. So you will always end up with a partner who will have character traits, physical traits sometimes, exactly like a personality like mom and dad or a combination of both. Therefore, it is important to heal your issues with parents first. That's true. Because the patterns are replicated, the patterns are perpetuated, and this is how we have all these issues globally. It's one and the same. As Byron Katie says, uh, the one mind. The teachings of Byron Katie is also very, very powerful because she teaches you self-inquiry. And you ask the question, you know, is it true that your husband is abusing you? And when you look at it and when you go back in time, you'll see that actually, no, your mom was abusing your dad or your dad was abusing your mom. So you will attract a partner exactly like that in children who will mirror that back to you. And that's where the healing happens. When we can crack through that, that is where you have ultimate freedom. Okay. And what happens in this kind of situations with the couples that you said that, um, and I asked you because you said at some point that you cannot escape your family. And that's exactly why I brought in the marriages, right? Yeah. Would, yeah. You, would you like to dive in into this topic for a second, please? About marriages? Yeah. Because you said that you cannot escape your family but still my question was is this available for extended families as into marriages too because yeah yeah, yeah. people getting because you know, uh, rather, so, yeah so often under sorry um so often when we look at our kids when we look at their negative behavior sometimes and that irritates us yeah why do we feel irritated is because your child is showing us ourselves when we were at their age and what happened with our parents. Mm, you're right. Yeah, I know that we had a few discussions on the topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, that's open for a whole nother podcast altogether. For sure. Um, you know, I could share some of my case studies. And uh, currently I'm working with three families. And let me just cite this example as the rose tree again. Um, I had a child, his aunt brought him to me because his dad works far away from home and he has several businesses in a rural area and uh, the child is in Durban. So the aunt brought him to me and in his session, he just cried so much and he, and he said to me, I feel he's, he's only 12. And he said to me, Auntie Rahila, I feel so sad and lost because his mom died in a car crash and he couldn't attend the funeral as well because there were some issues with the families and the father and the kids could not attend the funeral. Mm. And in the session, I had done a whole bereavement process with him where, you know, I took him through the whole funeral 
in the way he would like it to have been. And so much healing happened because he was in total exposure where he could say goodbye to his mom and make her a beautiful gift uh, in order to have closure. And during the session, he said, I feel so lost because my dad is also not this. I feel I don't have parents. So after his session, I did a whole holistic program with him after the healing session. And I, you know, I was telling him to take self-responsibility as a 12-year-old that there are millions of children who are orphans and don't have parents and they're actually quite good and they're amazing leaders of the world and they're quite successful. So he had a choice to remain sad and be a victim or he could choose to know that there's a higher, greater force outside of parents, which is, I mean, some of us make reference to God or some of us can call it infinite intelligence or the universe. And I said, what if the universe or this infinite intelligence or God is taking care of you? It's just that you cannot see that, but that's what's looking after you and wants you to do well at school, wants you to behave at school because he was getting into all sorts of trouble at school and his aunt was always called in. And I told him how important it is for him to have good, healthy friends and the importance of being a leader and teaching him good values. And suddenly his whole physiology shifted and he came to the realization that he could make the choice and he did. So when the session finished, I had a chat with his aunt and, you know, I did a follow up the next day and she says, oh my God, I can already see a difference. But I also knew that his dad was visiting from far away. Mm -hmm. And I asked his aunt if his dad could see me. It's imperative that his dad sees me. Mm -hmm. And I was prepared to even see the dad on a Sunday, knowing that he was going to travel back like a thousand kilometers away. So the dad was good enough to book a session with me. And in the session, the dad then gave me his whole life story of how rebellious he was as a firstborn child and how his his father Uh, would physically abuse him and they were having challenges you know financial difficulties and the father took to alcohol and what I uncovered was the patterns of alcoholism and addictions and you'd never believe what business this man is doing he has uh, a liquor store it's so crazy, you know? Yeah. And I said, you had a father who, who used alcohol and abused you, and here you are, you are retailing alcohol. And I told him, can you shift the thinking with alcohol that we create a balance that only people who know how to manage alcohol will buy it from you? That you put out a deeper prayer and intention for healing for families who buy alcohol from you. So that you do not, alcohol does not destroy families, rather that it gives people the best competencies in using alcohol well, you know, on a social level. There's nothing wrong with anything. It's how we use it and create a balance. So can you see how a family with all its thorns, like the rose tree, can teach us? Wow. And he was so grateful to what I was teaching him that he went away so happy. And I told him how with technology, he does not have to have a distant relationship with both these boys. He can have, you know, Skype sessions. He can have video calls. He can have whatever kind of communication, but he can be absolutely present 
to the teachers at school, to supervising the children's homework, from being at the events, because video calls can allow you to do this now. True. You can be totally present. There's no excuse for any parent being absent from a child's life. This is where emotional and spiritual intelligence forms a foundation of parenting and leadership. So I'm very interested to see how this pans out. This is a very good case study for me, so I'm going to see how it goes. Yeah, thank I'm you for to, to, to learn the outcome if you'd be willing to tell us further on. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, absolutely. It's a really interesting life story, you know, and real life story, which, which can teach us a lot. But, wow. I, while you were recounting this story, I can tell that I went through several stages of feeling the pain and then, you know, just learning new, new, new sentiments in regards to, to this, to this case study. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also I'm rather, you know, as a facilitator, as a mother, as a human being, I also learned from sitting with many masters and reading a lot that humans have much to learn from nature you know, in how to be resourceful, abundant, and prosperous. That's something I learned, you know, in my last 20 to 30 years, um, is how to become the silent observer and witness life as it unfolds. As we see, we learn from the rose bush, as we would learn from the mango tree, or as we learn from the plant that gives birth to pumpkins that lie on the ground. And then we learn why, how intelligent God is that he did not allow pumpkins to be on a mango tree, for example. Imagine right. if you're resting under the, in the shade under the tree and a pumpkin would fall on your head, you know? <laughs> or the watermelon, you know? So yeah. we learn from nature and we see that, you know, how trees don't carry heavy burdens and drop it on someone else. Right. Right. And you, you just reveal the intelligence of, of nature to us right now. I mean, everything, everything yeah. that, uh, that weighs a lot is on the ground, and the other things that are lighter are uh, up in the trees. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, but it might know, sound weird for this kind of revelation, but I don't know. I, I, take, the, I take the risk for that. <laughs> yeah, because I was teaching this to to a man who's a multimillionaire and he's owned all these properties. And, um, and I was like coaching the wife and the husband and they own many colleges around South Africa. And I was sharing and she said, I don't know why I feel so tired and so exhausted. I said, because you're owning all these properties and all these high rise buildings. Can you imagine it's sitting on you? It's no wonder you're so tired. And we just laughed. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, we're carrying all the pumpkins, <laughs> you know? yeah. we're not waking up to the fact that it's so heavy energetically, you know, materialism does that. Yeah, so, it's true. So it's we true. awaken to what we're carrying when we're ready. And that is a cosmic joke, you know? Yeah. So, and when we sit silently, we listen to our inner voice, our innate wisdom, our intuitive intelligence. And then we see, how the human intellect cannot resolve social issues. The mind is too busy manufacturing ideas for human pleasure and comfort without any thought and time for the loving, caring, and nature, you know, nurturing of self and, and Earth, our planet Earth. 
So, and rather going forward, uh, we must create balance in ourselves in order to coexist and be in harmony with nature. Very, very important is creating balance. When we truly get to know self, we will never give anyone the satisfaction of diminishing us. Mm. Why? Because we know ourselves the best. And that is the greatest teaching Radha gave to Joachim in this chapter, in that excerpt that you quoted. I'd like to leave you with this most profound quote by Satguru, who is an amazing teacher, master, and my mentor. Um, and it goes like this, and I quote, If not every day, at least once a month, take stock. Are you evolving into a better human being? And I unquote. Thank you once again, Anradha and listeners. Um, thank you, listeners, for those of you who gave us such positive feedback. I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you, Anradha, for this beautiful opportunity again of allowing me to share in such, um, you know, in such a deep way. Thank you very much. Thank you for accepting to be my guest every week, Rahila, and for the amazing quotes that you just left left the audience with. Um, you know, today, besides all the wisdom that, that you exposed, we really had a bit of fun. And it's, you know, interesting to see that even in the most serious of topics, we can, um, you know, we can bring in a bit of, a bit of fun to, to spice it up a bit, so to speak. But it's, it's interesting, you know, because this is the way that relationships actually build, you know, not just uh, having just so serious conversations, but also being able to be comfortable with each other and throwing a joke here and there, you know. So I think it's that this episode today will, will hopefully make the audience think even beyond what you have said, but think about the relationships that they are building on a daily basis and how they go about the, um, let's say, the efforts that they put in building their relationships. And this yeah. is a really, really dear to me topic, you know, because people feel like uh, it needs to be an effort put into building a relationship. However, my personal idea is that once you actually care enough for the other people, for the other person that you are interacting with, interaction will just happen naturally and with a nice flow. So Absolutely. You know, Andrada, the important thing is when we have self-awareness, self-awareness is a foundation of emotional intelligence. When we are in awareness, for example, I listen to you when you speak or to anyone else because I'm totally present. Yeah. And when you know that every person you meet has something to teach you, you will listen more attentively. And that is how you build relationships. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Thank so, you once again. <laughs> thank Bye you. now. Once again. <laughs> Bye, Rahila. To everybody Bye. listening. Bye. To everybody listening, if you enjoyed this um, episode of Impact by Choice podcast, and if you'd like to help us grow, please go to iTunes, leave us a review, and spread the word about the series that we're putting up. Until next time, take care, and have a great day. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. 
I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life, and life will smile right back at you. Hey everybody, David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life to give us the best chance of survival. We're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of, of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, A Story of Hope by David Calvert.